Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver. 10 p.m. on a Monday, as always, Canucks After Dark is back live and here for another fun night of Vancouver Canucks talk after the end of a long, grueling six-game road trip to start the season. The Vancouver Canucks are back home tomorrow night, Tuesday night, against the Minnesota Wild. As always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm almost as doing as well as the Canucks are doing. Happy with how they did, um, but a good week. Uh, I was at a friend's wedding on the weekend and did a bit of studying, did a bit of um, streaming. And how about you, my friend? I'm doing well, and you say it was a good week, but it started off pretty shaky, uh, especially yeah. after uh, the Canucks go into uh, Buffalo and put up a uh, a tragic performance, uh, I guess Stinker. you could say. Two points that uh, that they left on the board that uh, in a game that they probably should have uh, a team they should have beat uh, without Jack Eichel and just how bad the Buffalo Sabres are. But uh, the Canucks come out with two big wins later on in the week, and they have a tough few games coming up here with Minnesota, Philadelphia, and a host of others on a seven-game homestand. So we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, we've got some Travis Hamannick updates. We've got uh, the three games to recap over the last week. We've got some games to preview over the next week. Uh, we'll give you our favorite players of this last week, our worst players of this last week or the season so far, and all the usual stuff. You guys know the deal. Clay, is there anywhere you want to start today? Um, Maybe... I always confuse myself when we go backwards. So let's start at the furthest game back that we were planning to talk about then. Whatever all right, let's go all the way back to last Tuesday. We're starting off on a sad note oh. against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, and this one was a uh, a rough game. Do you want to give us sort of a, a quick recap of this one? Uh, this was Tuesday night, right? So I caught some of it before I went bowling. And then I was in a bad mood for my bowling match. But at least I wasn't playing against a slow guy like two weeks ago. But that's that's another story. I'm over that. I'm over that. Not good. Not good. Um, the Canucks looked flat. They looked, it was just a bad game. It was just a bad game overall. The Buffalo, a lot of young legs, a lot of speed, but they had a lot of no-name guys. You're right. No Eichel, a lot of no-name guys who are making our name guys not look so good. I, I actually, I can't remember the game that well because I had it on on the side and I, I know I wasn't happy. I don't know about you. I don't. Think yeah, I it was a pretty rough it, right? performance. Uh, we just had two goals in the first period. Canucks were up 2-1 after one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then everything just sort of fell apart. Shots in this game ended up being 43 to 34, allowing 43 shots against the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, this isn't showing me like the period by period shots, but if I remember correctly, like, I think the second period was just uh, a blowout in favor of the Buffalo Sabres. And it was a game that sort of sparked some panic. Uh, you know, everyone was like, some people were, you know, oh, it's only, you know, we're only uh, four games into the season. Uh, but another, you know, people like me were saying, well, you shouldn't be playing this bad against Buffalo. Uh, and the Canucks yeah. need to come out against Chicago, against Seattle, and put on some much better performances because this one was was frankly terrible, especially, you know, some people, you know, you might say uh, they're coming, they're in the middle of a road trip, six-game road trip. It's a, it's tough sledding, all this travel, but they had just had two days off. They're going into Buffalo, who which had, it had to have had like 4,000 people in the arena at most. It was <laughs> dead in there, uh, but the Canucks kind of got blown out. Uh, by the Buffalo Sabres, but they rebounded when they had to. Thursday night against the Chicago Blackhawks, they go out and they put up a uh, a much better performance, taking this game four to one. Yeah, that Buffalo game that was the one that Quinn Hughes missed, right? Yes, that was the one game without Quinn Hughes, uh, and it showed that uh, that he yeah. was missing. Yes, so thankfully, uh, and that was kind of concerning because they, they had a full day off on the Sunday. Then he didn't skate on the Monday maintenance day, but how, who has a maintenance day three games in the season? right? And then, yeah. So yeah. Well, we've already played 90 minutes almost, I guess. <laughs> Very true. So yeah, it wasn't the best look concerning, but thankfully he came back and he was back to his fine skating self on, on the Thursday night. And they all played well on Thursday, obviously with the four, one victory. And uh, it, it's not like they dominated though. I think Chicago had, had their moments, but that team, they haven't, led i think the entire season isn't that the weird stat right that now? is true that is an nhl record uh they've wow. gone they have not led so far this season this was a good game so we started off with uh with a jason dickinson goal about six and a half minutes in that was a beautiful shot uh really nice play matthew highmore started this one uh and i've been impressed with highmore so far uh but him and hoaglander did a little passing play dickinson 
uh, basically out in the slot, fired at top corner, uh, a beautiful goal. Uh, Blackhawks came back and answered to make it 1-1 after one. Uh, but then uh, the Canucks looked pretty good. We had a, a Tanner Pearson goal that mm -hmm. he really deserved. Uh, this is the one where Tanner Pearson basically stood in front of the net for like 60 <laughs> seconds, got beat up for the entire time and then and then scored uh, a well-earned goal. Uh, then we got a, a Brock Besser goal um, on the power play. The one time Brock Besser ended up on power play one because I remember Chase on was at the end of a shift. So they put Besser <laughs> out with the first power play unit and he scores. And then they haven't gone back to that yet. Uh, and then we got the, uh, the famous Connor Garland empty netter, um, where he pushed it forward all the way into the net. <laughs> yes. A great speed shown by Garland, great determination shown by him. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that Besser power play goal Parker, because Miller and Pedersen got assists on that goal, but that's a power play goal. It still counts, obviously very important, but I, I'm sure we're going to get to this. The lotto line has not looked good at, at evens. Uh, so that was a power play goal, but it evens. They're, they're chasing down the puck. They're not the best at retrieving the puck. And there's, I know it's, it's early. It's early for PD. Besser is rusty, but uh, yeah, thank God they have other lines going right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and the real guy has been Connor Garland and we'll get to that uh, with yes. our, when we get to our sort of stars of the week shortly here. Sure. Uh, and then the Canucks travel from there after getting a four, one win, they're two, two and one at that point on the season. So mm -hmm. right at mm -hmm. 500 going to Seattle. Uh, and this was a game that I'm looking at and I'm thinking, if they're going to lose a game, this is it, right? You're going into a new team's home opener, a team that hasn't looked good. This is like all the makings of a game that the Canucks just get crushed in for no real reason. Um, but they go out and they actually put on a pretty good show, taking it four to two, uh, sort of spoiling the party at the uh, the brand new Climate Pledge Arena. Yeah, nice arena, double screens. That's kind of weird to see. And yeah, the two <laughs> triangles. I think it looks yeah. cool. And then the the fact that you go four stories down from ground level, so that's that's pretty crazy too. But yeah, I, I love what you said, Parker. The Canucks withstood the the early hype. Of course, you're getting excited. It's your first, not just home over for the season, your first home game ever, right? So that was they they withstood that. The only two goals to beat Demko were from defensemen. So Seattle forwards didn't score, and one of them deflected off our own guy in Kyle Burrow. So Demko among others, was was one of the stars of the night. And I, I just love Horvat scoring both game-time goals. And then we saw that amazing individual um, effort by Connor Garland again to to pot the eventual game winner. It was, it was really good. It was a really good effort. And it was one of those where you're just kind of proud to be a Canucks fan. I don't know. I, I didn't need them to bury Seattle, but you want to start off well, especially after losing them twice in the preseason, albeit preseason games. Yeah, the Canucks started this one pretty well. Um, yeah. You know, they they go out and they get uh, a sort of bad break. Vince Dunn scores with four seconds left, less than four <laughs> seconds left in the first period. And those are the ones that deflate teams going into the intermission, right? You Four seconds more and that goal doesn't count. Uh, but they come back and they're terrible in the second period. Yeah, they look <laughs> deflated, didn't they? <laughs> the Canucks go six. It was over 16 minutes without a shot. Uh, at yeah. one point in this game and but they held on they didn't allow any goals during that time except the Vince Dunn goal I guess was part of that stretch but sure. then the first shot after that 16 minute stretch is Bo Horvat with a just a hard shot five hole that ties the game at one uh Mark Giordano uh then gives Seattle the lead uh, and you know the captain stepping up for them uh and then the Canucks captain again Bo Horvat uh coming up with another big goal in this one uh that which would tie the game at two and then, yeah, it's it's the Connor Garland show. Uh, he comes out and off of an absolutely abysmal shift by Elias Pettersson, the worst stretch of like the worst 60 seconds of hockey that he's played in a Canucks uniform, I think, where he has like two or three really yeah. bad giveaways and somehow the Canucks survive it. The puck gets cleared out. Connor Garland does it all himself, ends up just getting a step on the defender and yeah. this like half slap, half fake shot that gets past Grubauer totally fools him. Uh, the big celebration after staring down the fan <laughs> that was talking trash. Uh, and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was the hero of this one. Uh, but the play that we've gotten here from Garland, uh, from Demko and, and all the like um, kept the Canucks in that game and uh, and got them the win. And I'm not going to sit here and say that um, I or we told you so about Connor Garland. We were kind of both. We knew he was kind of good. We looked at a stat line, looked pretty good, but I think we'd admit we we didn't know a lot about him. I know Thomas Trance was talking a lot about him even before the, the Canucks made that trade, saying 
if you're going to go after OEL, you got to get them to throw in a guy like Connor Garland. And then uh, I know I've tweeted about this. I know you've talked about it too. I, I, I didn't know nothing about him. So I just put up a highlight package back in the summer. I was like, wow, this guy's really good. He's not afraid to go to the net. He's small. He's fast. And he's tied for our leading score with, with JT Miller, eight points in six games. He's he, And I'm, it's not a fluke. These are hard working, hard earned goals. It's not like second assist that anyone can pick up. These are primary assists or, or goals. I, he's been, he's been awesome. He's been awesome. Yeah. Points in every game so far wow. for Connor Garland, eight points in those six games, mm-hmm. uh, an absolute difference maker. And he's been getting, yeah, like you said, it's not just like, ah, he's been like deflecting a puck over. I think there was <laughs> one assist where that's basically what he did. Um, that sort of kept that streak alive, but uh, he's always having some sort of impact, whether it's the Detroit game uh, causing drama with Zadina, uh, <laughs> whether it's, you know, coming out here and uh, getting the nice setup on the Horvat goal and then getting the winner. Um, he has been just uh, an absolute monster out there uh, and very excited to have him uh, in a Canucks uniform for the foreseeable future, making less than $5 million. Oh. He's probably on like a hundred point pace. What is that? Eight. Uh, uh, he is on a 109 point pace. <laughs> Uh, so he's definitely going to keep that up. Connor Garland, 110 points. Go bet the over. Uh, that's free money. It's funny. He's been called an elf. He's been called a M-I-D-G-E-T. He's been fingered. Uh, someone gave him the royal finger. So he's, he's a, he's a bit of a poop disturber, right? And he's yeah. very, uh, and we love it. We love those kind of guys. And he's unlike a Matt Cook or a Rafi Torres. He's also someone who can answer from an offensive standpoint. So I, I think. Yeah, he's a, he's already a fan favorite, and I love how you mentioned the contract four nine five whatever five years. Demko at five years at five, so two maybe our two best players this season, and we have them for five million dollars each. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, and and one thing I was talking about, uh, which I actually have a banner here for, uh, if we want to get into the talk of the goaltender, mm. uh, Thatcher Demko, I think is already underpaid, which is crazy. Yeah. He is six games into a new contract, five <laughs> years, five million dollars per. And he's 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 criminally underpaid at this point. I think he's got a 924, 926, something already. I think wow. it's a nine nine twenty-four so far this season. Uh in the five games, three, one and one, um, hundred and fifty-nine saves. Uh, and he's played the most minutes out of any goalie in the NHL so far, <laughs> has the most saves, has I think he's like top ten in save percentage. Uh, and he has just been been so, so good. And we saw it in this game against Seattle, especially where you look at it and you're like, oh, you allowed two goals. It's a fine game. But some of the saves he made where they were just last ditch efforts to stretch the pad out to the far post. I think there was yeah. two exactly like that. Uh, there was the one shot. I think it was Appleton's shot uh, on the breakaway that got through him. And then he reached back and swept it off the goal line at the last moment. Uh, just things like that that have been absolutely phenomenal for Demko. And 25 years old. Uh, turning 26 in about a month and a half. And uh, yeah, he's already just underpaid. I love what you said about underpaid. And it's funny because when he signed that contract, you and I both said he might not live up to it in the first one or two years, but this is going to look really good three, mm-hmm. four, five years in. No, this is good like right now, I think. Yeah, well, if you if you looked at our sample size, right? Like we had the bubble to look back on and last yeah. year he played, you know, last year was his first year as a starter. Put up a 915, which is really good, especially with the with the defense he was behind. Um, but you know, it's again, it's one year of a sample size. He don't he only played something like 70 NHL games going into mm-hmm. this contract, right? That's really not a lot. Uh, but he's he there, there's no reason to doubt him. He looks so solid, especially you know, we saw Halak get a little bit of ice time uh in the first week and he looked a little bit shaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you compare that to just how solid Thatcher Demko looks, he's not panicking, he's not. There's not a lot of movement there. He's just always square to the shooter. Uh, and he's absolutely just been phenomenal. I've said many times, both on here and my own stuff, that um, I heard Canucks people say, Canucks management say, they had Luongo-type hopes for him when they drafted him. And you say, well, that's you know, comparing him to arguably the best goaltender in Canucks history. That That's a bit of a stretch, but I can see it. I can see it. Mm-hmm. Who, knows, who knows what kind of playoff success he will or won't have. It's not just about him. It's about the team. But his demeanor, his is how calm he is. I guess that's demeanor. How athletic he is for his size. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to like there for sure. Mm-hmm. Now the thing is, I get scared by goalies. Goalies, I don't trust them. Uh, and the prime example lately has been Carter Hart in Philadelphia, who the Canucks take on in a couple of days here. I think on Thursday they play Philadelphia. Yeah, I heard uh, he's not playing though. I was talking to a buddy. Apparently Hart's playing Wednesday night in Edmonton. They've already named it. 
So unfortunately, we won't get to see him on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, because he, I mean, he's looked bad, right? And he was this prized first round pick who looked like he was going to be the next star of the league. And then he's already 23 and he's already gone from being in a really good number one goalie to being one of the worst goalies in the league. And he's two years younger than Demko at this point. So that's why I get scared by goalies a little bit because you can't really mm. trust them. They they go all over the place, right? You get guys like Andrew Raycroft who look like they're going to be a star. Or, yeah. There's so many names that you can go back on and not everyone's going to be a guy like Vasilevsky who is just one of the best for years and years and years. Um, but everything that we've seen so far for Demko uh, shows that he is going to be a, a star for yeah. years and years and years to come. Are you a goalie guy, Parker? Do you study goalies? Do you love goalies or, or not? not really? Yeah. I know like the basic stuff, uh, yeah. like being square to the shot is like the main <laughs> one. Uh, and you know, that's, that's why like when I ever do like a film analysis with a goalie or, or there's like a, a save, it's like, yeah, look, just look at where his chest is pointing. That's the biggest right. thing, right? Cause if oh, your chest yeah. is square with the puck, it's a lot easier to make a save. Uh, and yeah. you know, we saw like Carter Hart in that game against the Canucks, just shots going in from everywhere. Cause he wasn't square to the shooter. He was cheating early. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm yeah. not really a goalie guy, but I kind of yeah. get the basics. You're right. Carter Hart was opposite of a square. He's more like a rhombus or a something. He, he was not good. I don't even know how to answer that. I don't know how to <laughs> respond to that. I don't even know what a rhombus <laughs> is. It just sounds good. <laughs> All right. Let's get into, uh, to sort of continue our breakdown of the last week. Let's get into our, the stars of the week. We've already touched on Garland a bit. We've already touched on Demko. Would you say those are your, your top two for this week? Yeah. And I'd add in third. I'd say Bo. Um, I think Bo's been really good. He's, uh, yeah, especially in that that last game, of course, the, against Seattle. But I, I think overall, he's been good. You know, JT Miller's got more points. JT Miller also turns the puck. Actually, Horvat was making a couple of turnovers. Actually, now that I think about it, but overall, yeah, I remember that one really weak backhand he did in his own zone. But I, I think Horvat's been really good, actually. So those would be my three guys. I like Ekman Larson a lot too. Uh, but yeah, those would be my. All three. right. Yeah. So after in my post game shows, I gave out game pucks after every mm. game. To, to who I thought was the best. Yeah. Uh, this last game, I gave up three, which I never do, but it was Demko, Horvat, Garland because they uh, were the best three players on the ice. The game against the Blackhawks, I gave it to Brock Besser because I thought mm -hmm. he had a really solid game in Chicago. Uh, and then the Sabres game, which the Canucks were terrible, I actually gave it to Justin Dowling because uh, I think he, he was actually impressive. Uh, and Justin Dowling's actually been getting some, some surprising amount of ice time. Uh, I think he played, uh, he was like, only like fifth last last game if i if i <laughs> can guess correctly in ice time he played he played almost 15 minutes um while guys like chase on played 10 highmore mm. played 12 hoaglander played 12 you know he played 40 seconds less than tanner pearson did or two minutes less than connor garland uh so justin dowling is is getting some trust from the coaching staff um and he got a he got an empty net goal there was a time parker you might remember uh, is that at the end of second or start of third where Dowling was playing with Besser and Miller yeah. and Petey. And it wasn't because Petey needed to lift up the play of Highmore and Hoglander. It was no, they needed Hoglander and Highmore to lift up Petey's game. It was so strange that he was in essence demoted to the third line. Yeah. Yeah. They had to shake things up with Petey. And I guess that kind of takes us into our strugglers of the week. And the <laughs> obvious one has been Elias Pettersson. Um, I think he's been basically kept off the score sheet, right? He has how many points does he have? I think he's got three and six, I think. But it's think. three assists, right? So uh, he's, he's got one goal. Oh, he's got one goal. One goal, yeah. two assists, three points yeah. uh, for Elias Pettersson so far. But yeah, he just, he has not looked like himself. And I, I can go back to this one shift, uh, the one shift that Connor Garland scored on where, yeah, he just tried to do too much, didn't make the easy play, kept giving the puck up. Uh, and it's really looked like that a lot so far. And after the... Uh, Sabres game. I was asked yeah. about it in my in my chat, and I said I'm not worried. Elias Pettersson's too good to be worried about it, right? Uh, he will. He always like he has too much skill for this slump to last forever, right? And I said the same thing after the Sabres game, uh, or after the Blackhawks game, and then after this one, I'm starting to get a little more nervous because, look, having three or four bad games is fine, but once your best player starts having six get bad games, if it goes to seven, eight, nine mm -hmm. bad games eventually this is going to start costing the team points, right? Right. If, if the Canucks lose a game by one and it's because Elias Pettersson got nothing going offensively and maybe made a mistake defensively that led to a goal. Uh, the, it's not like this is a team that's going to finish with 107 points this year, right? 
This is a team that is going to be shooting for around that 94, 95 mark to squeak into the playoffs. So every point is going to matter. Uh, I still have faith. You know, Elias Pettersson is still, in my opinion, too good of a player to go on a long slump, but it needs to turn around quick. Yeah. Uh, do, do you put stock at, is it a fair, not even an excuse, is it a fair reason to say he missed more than half of last year, he missed training camp, he's still shaking off his rust, given that he's played six games in the last eight months? I think that's somewhat fair. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, he hasn't played since March, basically. Um, however, you know, there's there's been a lot of time to practice. And again, I think I, I still think his skill is there. I feel like you, you drop off a little, but I don't think you drop off that much. Right. Cause I think mm-hmm. a lot of it has been decision-making that's been bad. Um, it hasn't been a lot of physical stuff in my opinion, like lack of skill. There has been a couple like bobbles, but I don't know. I think it, it's fair, but at some point it, it's got a click. Um, yeah. cause again, not like the team's getting a lot of practice time, right? Uh, yeah. they'll get more now being at home, but, uh, it needs to it needs to start working, and it's so subjective, right? Do you say, well, we're six games in, let's give them to eight, or is it nine, or right? Is it Twelve, I, yeah. But you're right. I think for me, halfway through this homestand, we're at the ten game mark, so I, he's got to be moving by then. He's got to be, otherwise, yeah. you're you're twelve percent of the season done already. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. start you you will start running out of games quicker than you think, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's almost November, right? <laughs> right. We're a week away mm-hmm. from November, uh, and then you know you start getting into uh, into some big games, right? The Canucks don't have, I don't think the Canucks have a lot of big games coming up. Like at least like they, they play the Oilers, which is big, but I think most yeah. people, there's a lot of projections that have the Oilers like second in the division. So it's not really, maybe not the shot that the spot the Canucks are pushing for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they got the Rangers, the Predators, the stars, the ducks, the avalanche, the golden Knights, the ducks, the avalanche, the jets, the black, like just going down the list. The Canucks don't really have any divisional matchups other than this Oilers game until, they got the Kings in December. They got oh, the weird. Sharks in December. Uh, they got the Kraken in December. The Canucks, most are, are playing a lot of Eastern teams uh, coming up here and a lot of Central teams as well. So um, I guess if there are games to struggle in, these are, I guess, the ones because they're not yeah. going to be as impactful on the standings. Um, but yeah, eventually, you know, things got to start working out. So if there's any game ever to win in overtime or shootout, it's these games against the non division teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are games that you can play okay. for. You can play for a tie against the flyers and the wild um, <laughs> and get, get a point, and get out. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at the standings, the way they are right now, right. I mean, you got the Oilers at five and zero. Oh, that's not going to last, but they'll, they'll be up there. Uh, but the golden Knights are one and four and I expect them to work it out and get and start to move up. Um, so, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be the Oilers. It's going to be the flame. It's going to be maybe the Kraken if they can step it up. But I don't think so. Um, mm. but there are going to, you know, the Canucks are going to have to start getting wins and, uh, at least Patterson's going to have to be a part of that. Uh, cause they're, they can't stick around 500 all season if they want to be a playoff team. That's true. It, it, exactly. And we've talked about 500 on the road's fine, but you got to be way better than 500 at home. Otherwise you yeah. can be 500 and you're not going to make exactly it. 82 points. Not going to make it. <laughs> uh, speaking of strugglers of the week, I do want to mm. talk about special teams a little bit. Uh, cause special teams has been not good. Uh, <laughs> we had, uh, the power play that has looked so stale already. Um, so static is kind of the word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. and again, I always go back to looking at Edmonton's power play <laughs> because it's so, it's so dynamic and, and exciting. Um, I think on paper, the Canucks power play is actually doing okay now. Uh, cause I think they, they went one for four in the last game. Um, but it's not, it hasn't looked good at all. Yeah. This, this chase on Parker, talk me into this, this chase on experiment on the, on the first power play unit. Want me to talk to you? You want me to sell you? (laughs) Yeah. Well, someone's got to like, (laughs) uh, I don't know. I, I, I think to me, it feels like the focus is okay we're building around chase on's like chase on's main purpose is being a net front guy in the power play. And that is the, like the only place that he can play. Mm-hmm. So it feels like they're shoehorning him into that spot because that's sort of what he does. Uh, and the result of that is having guys like Brock Besser on your second power play. 
Um, and again, we saw Brock Besser on power play one for 15 seconds and he scores. Um, yes. You know, maybe, maybe he is better in tight in front of the net because he can shoot the puck a little bit better. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I can't sell you on it. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I think it, it, are you looking for Chase on leadership veteran wise? You know, outside the power play? No, I don't, I don't think you need it. You have enough. No, veterans power play. You don't need, you don't need a guy to be hurrah out there on the ice <laughs> on the power play. Like, yeah. <laughs> But you're right. As soon as they put Besser on that, guess who's on the ice when Horvat scored that game time goal on the power play? It was Besser doing. He didn't get an assist, but he he was one who actually who who it was weird. The puck it kind of looped up, and then it went uh, Miller, Hughes, Horvat, I think, or or something in that order. Because I know Hughes and Miller got the assist. But you're right. As soon as as soon as Besser gets back on PP one, things happen. But they practiced today with Chase on on PP one and Besser on PP two today. I don't know. I don't Still. know. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Canucks are at 21.7%, which is fine. Mm -hmm. It's 15th in the NHL, dead mm -hmm. average. It's not Vegas, who is at 0% on the power play, but it's also That's not bad. Edmonton. You know what Edmonton's power play percentage is? If you had to guess, what do you think Edmonton's power play is at? Well, only because you're talking in such super, but, you know, even if it's 30 or 35%, that's really good. It's 47 <laughs> <laughs> they That's are, not even fair. <laughs> no, so they they have forty seven point one percent of the power play, eighty eight point two percent on the PK. So they are just absolutely crushing special teams, uh, wow. and that results in having a plus ten goal differential five games in, scoring an average of four point six goals a game, and being five and zero. Right? Um, having I get I mean yes, it's all Connor McDavid. I get it, but the Canucks do have really good players in Elias Patterson and Brock Besser. They have guys who can score. Uh, and the power play just needs to, it just needs to work better. And it's nothing has changed, right? We, we yes. saw as Newell Brown left, we got that little glimmer of hope. We said, okay, new guy, maybe new system, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, even if they're still doing the umbrella, maybe it'll be a little bit more active and they're going to stop trying to stop having JT Miller try to force passes through the middle of the ice every time. <laughs> um, or have Elias Pettersson only require the absolute perfect pass before he'll shoot the puck. Um, but it's been exactly the same. It has looked exactly the same. The only difference is they have a worse player on the ice in Alex chase on instead of Brock Besser. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's just not working and, and something needs to be adjusted. And what's really interesting. You're right. It's the same personnel. It's the same, a different coach, but the same structure too static, too predictable. We've talked about it before how they just use the top three guys on the umbrella. They barely use Besser and Horvat or chasing and Horvat, whoever, but then the second unit gets on there, maybe because they only get 20 or 30 seconds, but they play with way more urgency. They're they actually get the, yeah, they get the puck over the line easily, like way more easy than PP1. And they are passing. And then two passes, boom, shot and actually a chance. And maybe, truly, it's because they only have 20 to 30 seconds to work with. But uh, you love the way, I love the way that PP2 plays, how direct they are. And they have more, quote, direct players, right? The Pearson, the Hoglanders, and the Garlands of the world. So who knows? Who right, knows? but do you not think that Elias Pettersson and, and JT Miller and Quinn Hughes can't play that style of hockey, right? Yeah, it doesn't, if they go out there and they're more run and gun and, and just trying to, you know, like they're just more skilled. There's better players, right? They yeah, should be able yes. to do this same sort of thing instead of spending 27 seconds just getting the puck into the zone and then, ah, pass gets broken up and we got to start over. Uh, oh, we gave it up at center ice again. Let's start over. And it's just all these back and forth and, and things just aren't working. Um, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, if they played more like power play too, where it's just, you know, gain the zone, make a pass, get a shot on net and, <laughs> yeah. and try to do things because sure power play one probably gets better. Like the chances they do get are probably better because they're way more high percentage, but they also get a third of them because they're waiting for the absolute perfect play every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And then whether, you know, Corey Hirsch always likes to say he wants to see PD just grip it and rip it. Right. And if, if a yeah. guy blocks it. Well, he might not block it the next time because he's nursing a sore knee or whatever. Yeah. So, PD does look, yeah, he hesitates. JT Miller likes to control the puck, but he's not the fastest. He's a good decision maker mostly, but he's not the fastest. And then the, truly the bumper guy and the net front guy, they're just waiting until something happens. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, I just, I don't like it. It, it makes me frustrated yeah. because these are, they, they get these power plays at crucial moments when it's like, okay. Yes. Getting a goal right now would turn the tides of this game. It gives you so much momentum. You're going to get four of them a game, almost every game. If you can score on one, good. But if you can get two of them, then that's really helping your chances at winning.
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think they got to do differently? Just be more direct? I think they got to be more active, more exciting. Uh, and speaking of exciting, Manscaped. Support for Canucks After Dark is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, the champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CAD at manscaped.com. Like I said, this is the lawnmower. Uh, it's a great trimmer. You can find it at the link right at the top of the description, pin comment, all that good stuff. And uh, it helps us out if you uh, if you buy something from them and tell us that we sent you and it looks good on us. And you get a good uh, you get a good trimmer in return. So, get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CAD unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped. And I was supposed to have this on the screen while we talked about that, but there's your, uh, your prompt CAD, uh, 20% off and free shipping. Well, I can talk Worldwide. about it for a quick second to at least, uh, you know, make it worth it. Firstly, great read as always. Second, I didn't mean to interrupt it. I didn't know you were still going. And I, I think it's two things uh, going forward for these episodes, Parker. I think the two things that I think the viewers are going to really enjoy. Number one, is how do you segue into the ad? And you did that seamlessly today. And the second one is how long I can go without cracking, right? While you're reading it. <laughs> so those are the kind of like the two competing vibes, but good job. Um, mine is still here. I haven't opened mine yet. So and you're yeah. missing out. It's great. If you Let me know if you need a second one. Okay. For whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let's get into then uh, the homestand coming up. Let's do a little preview here. Um, and then by the way, this is your prompt to get in your, don't do that. get in your haikus, do all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, cause we are right around that point. So let's touch on the homestand coming up for the Vancouver Canucks, seven games in a row at home, three games before we see you next here on Canucks after dark, we've got the home opener tomorrow. There's still tickets available, the wild and the Canucks at 7 PM. Uh, mm. then we've got the flyers. Uh, on Thursday at 7 p.m. And then the Oilers on Saturday, Hockey Night in Canada, also 7 o'clock. Which of these games are you are you literally really looking forward to the home opener tomorrow? You get to see whatever the new on-ice presentation is, fans in the building for the first time in whatever it is, 18 months or something like that? Looking forward to all three games for different reasons. I'm actually not going tomorrow. Uh, it's bowling night. Tuesday nights. So I'll be watching everything either on the screen or, or later, but home opener. I know they got a lot of cool things planned. I'm happy for my season ticket partner, Mike and Minnesota. Wild. they're a good team. They got some with Kaprizov and Fiala and others, Erickson. They got some really good players. So that's going to be a good game Thursday. We've already beaten Philly. So you think that's a winnable game, not saying Thursday, Tuesday night isn't. And then Edmonton, man, it's kind of cool. Like that Edmonton has started well, and it would be great if we could knock them off their perch a little bit. So I, I think two of these three games are going to be challenging. They're not, we can't simply sit here and say the Canucks are going to win just because they're at home. I think the Minnesota Edmonton games will be challenging. Who knows what happens with Philly? So they're going to be competitive contests for sure. Yeah. So if we look at this wild game, the wild are no longer the Minnesota mild at this point, right? Like they, <laughs> like they have been forever, right? They've been a very uh, frankly boring team, uh, mm -hmm. but now, yeah, they have Kaprasov, they have Fiala, they have Eric Sinek. They have these, this high flying offense that, you know, they do have a lot of dead cap <laughs> on the books, but mm -hmm. they are four and one. Uh, however, I, I did. Someone did ask me um, on my post game uh, a couple nights ago on Saturday night. Are you worried about the wild because they're four and oh, they're they're four and one now. And I said, no, because look at their game so far. Their first game, they beat the Ducks two to one. Then hmm. they beat the Kings three to two. Then they beat the Jets six, five in OT. Mm -hmm. And then they beat the Ducks 4-3 in OT. And they just lost to the Predators. So they have all of their wins. They've won by one goal, two of them in overtime, all against bad teams, right? The Ducks, the Kings, the Jets. Three teams that have not looked good thus far. And then they just went out and lost to the Predators, who are also, they were 1-4 and four going into that game as well. So I think the Wild are worse than their record so far. And I think it is, you know, a really good chance for the Canucks to get two points at home home opener first time like i said in front of fans the canucks just did four home openers on the road or whatever it was <laughs> now they get their own uh and hopefully uh a close to full house at rogers arena uh will get some excitement going for them 
Yeah, by the way, Parker, have you seen some of the attendance uh, numbers from across the league? It's not good. It's, it's not been good. bad. Yeah, it's been pretty low. And we saw it. Um, I mean, I mentioned that Buffalo game. It looked empty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we have, uh, I think, teams like Toronto not selling out, Chicago not selling out, uh, a bunch Rangers, of teams around yeah. the league yeah, yeah. Uh, not selling out. Uh, it doesn't look like this game is sold out for the Canucks. I was looking at tickets because I might I might end up going. I haven't decided yet. Oh. Um, but there are uh, there's still tickets available for sure. Wow. What are your um, odds? Handicap your, your odds of going tomorrow night. I'd say like 60% that I'll go. I'll Ooh. probably go. Oh. I just got to figure something out. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Um, Very good. And then, so yeah, then they go and, and take on the Flyers on the Thursday. And if you remember that, that game against the Flyers back on October 15th, they wanted to shoot out 5-4. And it wasn't because they played great. It was because Carter Hart was terrible, right? <laughs> the, the Canucks got kind of outplayed in this one. Uh, they score four goals in the second period uh, against Philadelphia, and then they blew the lead late uh, with the two late goals, and then they still uh, salvage it in a shootout because, again, Carter Hart was terrible. Um, so hopefully, you know, it won't be Carter Hart. Who is who is their other guy? Uh, How about Martin Jones? Wow. <laughs> Much better. Wow. Um, so, I mean, okay, well, I was going to say, oh, it's a backup. The Canucks are fine. It's Martin Jones, though, so yeah. I'm not too concerned because uh, he has been really bad for the last few years. Uh, and then the Canucks take on the Edmonton Oilers, who they lost to 3-2 in a shootout. And like I said, the Oilers are 5-0, and super dangerous power play. Uh, just I think McDavid's on pace for like 150 points already. Um, oh. I think that will be the biggest test of this road trip. But if the Canucks can go out and beat Minnesota and beat Philadelphia – that game against the Oilers doesn't matter as much, right? If they can be sort of two and one to start the road trip or two Oh and one or whatever. Right. Um, I think the Canucks should win two out of these next three games. And I think that would put them in an absolutely fine spot. It would. Uh, I agree with you taking two out of three, but I would love it. Honestly, if they lost one of the Minnesota or Philly ones, so they could beat Edmonton only from a, a standings perspective, but I, I hear <laughs> what you're saying. If they had to lose one, yes, but I'd if rather not to. risk it. Uh, <laughs> let's get the two wins early. And then after that, it's Rangers on Tuesday, Nashville Friday, right? Yeah. So the Canucks are getting a lot of these three-day break, three, uh, yeah. two, two-day gaps, right? So they had the one, um, they've gone basically uh, from Saturdays to Tuesdays every time. Uh, and then they do the same thing. So they play the Oilers on the Saturday. Then they have Sunday, Monday off. Then the Rangers on the Tuesday. Then they have thir or Wednesday, Thursday off. And the Predators on Friday. So uh, this has to mean the Canucks are going to have a lot of back-to-backs at some point, right? Yes. And then just to wind up the seven-game homestand, then it's Dallas, and then who am I missing? Who's the last game? Uh, Anaheim. Okay, so so here's my point then. You look at not just the three games of this week, although that's what we should preview. You look at these seven games overall, you could say that Edmonton, uh, yeah, Edmonton is probably the toughest. The Rangers yep. are a very intriguing team. They're, they're good. They got a lot of young, uh, fast stars. And we kind of said that Minnesota might be challenging, but maybe mm -hmm. not. We should beat Philly. We should beat Anaheim. We should beat Dallas and we should beat Nashville. So realistically, we should at least get four of these seven, if not five or six. And, and yeah. maybe that sounds a little bit optimistic, but you got to think like that for sure. And th these are more of those prove it games, right? We, we, we looked at the game against Chicago and they said, yep, this is a game that they should win if they're going to be a playoff team. They did. The game against the Kraken. They should win if they're going to be a playoff team. They did. Mm -hmm. Game against mm -hmm. Buffalo, they should have, but you know what? They had an off night, whatever. Um, but going into this, yeah, I, I think a playoff team wins four of these games, right? Yes. Uh, they Whether, you know, maybe the Wild, um, the Predators, the Ducks, and then one of the Rangers and Stars, right? They they might you mm -hmm. know split those. Um, but they they a, a playoff team should win four. If they go like four, two, and one, I think that's fine. I think that's yep. kind of where they should be. Four and three is okay, but I'd like to see them try to gain a bit of ground, right? You don't want to be in the mix all season. If you can build up a bit of a buffer, give yourself a bit of uh, a security blanket, I guess, right? If you can have like a three point lead after this, uh, this road trip uh, on a playoff spot or on this homestand uh, in the playoffs, then that's a great place to be. You want to be ahead and not chasing sort of control your destiny throughout the season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if they can take five, uh, then I think uh, they're laughing. You know who's not laughing, or maybe they are laughing. San Jose, what's up with them? Like it's uh, Edmonton, San Jose, and Calgary, and us. Those are the four playoff teams right now. Yeah, San Jose is doing some some weird stuff. I don't know <laughs> why. Um, I mean, 
I, some of the teams they've played again, they, they, they beat Montreal who has looked so bad. They Very beat bad. Ottawa, which they should, they beat the Maple Leafs who are collapsing in front of our eyes. Um, and they lost to the Bruins, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, the sharks three and one, uh, and you know, they're trying to make a push and, and at least be, you know, middle of the division if they can, which I don't think any of us saw coming. I think San Jose was going to sort of be in that, in that hole with maybe Seattle and LA way down in the dumps there, but, uh, they're off to a hot start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, one of those three California teams ultimately got to be okay. They don't have to mm-hmm. be awesome, but yeah, me, I thought it was gonna be LA though, but it's still early. It's still early. I think that's Absolutely. the one thing we got to remember. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our don't do that for the week. If you don't know, uh, what this is for those of you who are new here, uh, hit like, and subscribe by the way. Um, mm-hmm. this is where we basically, you know, tell, uh, tell us what shouldn't, what you shouldn't do. Uh, Clay, do you have any examples maybe to go off of so far? Um, uh, yeah, I, it's funny. I, I was watching them and now I forgot all of them, but uh, ultimately, uh, playing chase on over Besser on PP one. Don't do that. That's the perfect one. Yes. Do uh, and then we also had time for hockey saying, uh, playing chase on over pod Colson. Don't freaking do that. Like, please green. I'm begging you. Well, that's um, a very adamant. Don't do that. I like that. Did, I didn't, I didn't look at the lines, but, but is not playing tomorrow, right? No, he was in today, actually. Oh, Buck really? He was in today. Yeah. So are yeah. you saying Travis Green's going to change the lineup after a win? It's, it's, it's hard to believe. That seems but, impossible. Um, but it, you know, it's interesting. Dowling did not practice today and Dickinson left early. Yeah. Okay. I did hear about that. So looking at the yeah. lines that came through today, uh, yeah. we had um, Pearson, Horvat, Garland, mm-hmm. Lotto line, uh, yeah. Highmore, Dickinson, Hoaglander. But like you said, Dickinson left early. Yeah. Uh, and then Pod Colson, Lamico, Chase on, which does have Dowling on the outside, which is surprising because I thought Dowling's been good. Um, yeah. I would sooner see someone like Lamico come out, although then you need another center. But I guess Highmore can move around. I don't know. Um, or I, I'd I'd rather see chase on come out over Dowling to be honest at this point. Um, cause he has been impressive. Uh, and then the other thing that gets interesting here, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about this after the don't do that. So let's let's go back to the don't do that. You know, it's interesting too. If Dickinson, if Dickinson did leave early and let's say he's not ready to go tomorrow night for whatever reason, then Travis green likely puts Miller as third line center and right. And then it messes everything up. Maybe unless, unless he's really trying to get Pedersen going. Uh, although then you, you could move like Hoaglander up or Garland down or yep. something and, sure. and make something work. Cause I think they want Pedersen with players that are going to support him, yeah. uh, like a Miller and Besser or, you know, with a Garland or something like that, uh, or Hoaglander so that he can hopefully, I think Pedersen, Pedersen just needs a, a two goal night and then yeah. he's just good. Right. Like he'll just be yeah. fine after that. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll say it's tomorrow night then. Absolutely. Uh, let's grab a couple of these. I like Quattrobs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's a, <laughs> Alex J is on PP1. Don't do that. Um, Quattrobs, giving up goals near the end of a period. Stop slash don't do that. Um, yeah, this is this is a thing that's actually just, it, it feels like it always happens to the Canucks, but I think it's also just common around the NHL. I think mm-hmm. if you look at most periods, they, they kind of do like a, like sort of like a dip in the middle. Um, and, right. and towards the end of the period, there's more scoring usually, but yeah, it's super deflating. Uh, and I, and, um, the Canucks have, have allowed a lot of first goals this season as well. Um, which hasn't hurt them as much as it probably, uh, should. Um, but yeah, that Vince Dunn goal, uh, can be a bit of a heartbreaker, but, uh, it's still, uh, it's still worked out. I don't know if you can find Will Ells from 10 36 PM. So it was like five minutes up. But it's pretty funny. It says, yeah, staring down Garland. Don't do that. Well, actually, do that if you, if you want to make him mad and make him score on you. But uh, yeah, that was, um, I, I love that. I love that little that little interaction. The fact that someone made him mad and he's like, all right, <laughs> I'll just go out and do it all myself and score a sick goal to win the game yeah. um, and just sort of welcome Seattle to the NHL. Yeah. Did you see him at the start of the game? Um, he's so shifty and he does so many of these pivots and turns that he actually checked himself in the boards. I'm not sure you saw that. He fell into the boards. I didn't see that, but that, oh, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Very impressive. That's like um, me in roller hockey, except I don't score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see if there's any other ones that I wanted to grab here. Uh, 
sorry we went so long between the call for them and uh, and actually reading them that it it gets easy to miss them uh dan uh dan boston saying not getting the puck out of the zone don't do that yeah that has been a real thing for the canucks i noticed that i noted that in my post game i think it's buffalo mm. um that they've been doing so much of here i'll see if i actually have it um mm. no it wasn't in that game but either way they, they've done like so many occurrences where they just need to get the puck six feet farther right they they try <laughs> to make the extra pass uh or just a weak clearing attempt Sometimes you just got to go off the glass and out, right? Uh, yes. Just just get it over the blue line <laughs> and then everything's okay. Uh, so I, I think that's definitely a, a solid, uh, a solid one there. And isn't that the one, that's what you're saying. When PD had that tough shift, there was a time where he was right between the dots, right? And he just, if he just, if he just flips it in the air, right? Flips it in, no. flips it 10 feet in the air to center, right? Everything's no. fine. Uh, but just trying to make, trying to do too much. Uh, and that's been, you know, kind of a theme uh, so far. Uh, Damon Veer is good scratching puck holes and don't do that. So two out of the first six games, Parker, are you, are you worried about it? Are you okay with it? What's your take on this? Um, I, I can see why people are frustrated. And a lot of it is because of who's replacing him. Because it's mm. a guy like Alex Chason, who's kind of been a whipping boy so far this season, uh, kind of a scapegoat. Um but I, I don't hate the idea of it, right? I mean, look, he's only going to play eight, nine minutes a night um, anyways. Um, and I, I, I just, I, I, I'm not too worried about it, right? Yeah. Uh, the Canucks have a lot of this, you know, sort of bottom six depth. They're going to get him in the lineup. We saw it here. They, they put him back into the lineup for this practice, whether it holds or not. Uh, if, if Dowling were to come back in uh, tomorrow, right. we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I'd be more worried about it if he played terribly. Uh, I yeah. don't think he's played excellent. I don't think he's really stood out, but he hasn't been bad. Um, so if that was the case, then I'd be like, man, Pog Colson doesn't look good. We got to send him, like, get him game time in the AHL. That hasn't been the case. He's looked fine. Uh, and so I think, you know, if he's just getting more practice time and a little less time on the ice, um, I mean, like the nine minutes of ice time isn't going to be what changes his career arc and development. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. And Epic Nair, this is for you. Vasilyev's Podslovans. Yes, yes saying butchering Pod Colson's name. <laughs> Don't do that. All right, let's oh, go. Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh Justin uh, calling $9. out the 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 costs. Uh, yeah. So seven dollars for a can of Aquafina at the oh. uh, at the Kraken Arena. Uh, these are right in line with like Seahawks prices. Uh, from if you if you go to games there, you're wow. you're spending like twelve dollars on a Bud Light uh, for like a the regular size one. Uh, yeah, wow. Seattle is an expensive city. Uh, that is for sure. Wow. Um, all right. Next thing we want to talk about, this was sort of the bigger topic um, that came up earlier today. And we were going to mm. get to it earlier, but we went over the games and all this stuff. So let's get to it now uh, while ah. we have the most people here. So Travis Hamanick, is he coming back? This is courtesy of Matt Sakaris of Sakaris mm -hmm. and Price. Um, and he says, quote, um, Oh, it's just a, it was an audio clip, which isn't great. Yeah. Um, but basically he is saying that it sounds like, um, Travis Hamanick is going to be coming back to Vancouver, whether or not that includes a conditioning stint, uh, mm. in Abbotsford at some point, uh, I found the tweet here is it was J pad who actually tweeted out, um, Matt Scaris reporting that Canucks Travis Hamanick is in town or will be on his way shortly with the intention of resuming his NHL career may require a conditioning stint in Abbotsford first. So um, this shakes things up, right? Let's say Travis Hamnick does come back and it's probably not for tomorrow, but let's say he enters the lineup on Saturday, right? Maybe he goes, hmm. plays like Friday night in Abbotsford as sort of a conditioning game, maybe also Saturday night in Abbotsford and then starts on Tuesday you know, the next week or something like that. Um, this shakes up the defense. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about that? If that happens, I, uh you bring him in. If he's ready, you bring him in. You're paying him. What are we paying him? Three million to this year, right? Three yeah. million. Yep. You're, you you bring him in over Kyle Burrell. As, as good as Burrell's has been, uh, Burrell's is still a third pairing defenseman. Someone could argue Hamannick's a third pairing defenseman, but you you bring Hamannick in, and then you figure out um, do you move Pullman down to play with Rathbone, which could work, so that Hamannick can play with Hughes, or do you ease Hamannick in with Rathbone, who plays a little bit like Hughes, not exactly the same, and keep Ole Allen Myers together, who've been just fine. Hughes and Pullman have been serviceable and go Rathbone, Hamnick, but 
there's no doubt in my mind when Hamnick's ready, you get him in the lineup because he's he's simply a better player than Burroughs, as good as Burroughs yep. has been for his role. So we like Kyle Burroughs. Uh, yep. he, so he would be the one that comes out of the lineup, which means you then have nine defensemen on the roster if Travis Hamnick comes back, meaning you have to waive somebody. And your three options then become Kyle Burroughs, Brad Hunt, and Luke Shen. One of them has to go through waivers. What? Who's your pick in that case? Wow. It's weird. You think Burroughs has the best chance to get through. Just I don't know. Me. I don't think he does. I think he has the worst chance to get through, honestly. Because of how good he's been? Because he's been bit. good and he's young, yeah. right? He's. I mean, he's not super young. He's 26. Okay. Um, but, I mean, you compare that to like Hunter Shen. Uh, and, and I think, I don't know. I just feel like Hunter Shen, they're just they're just kind of guys that like every other team has already sort of had a chance at. Um, I I think it's tricky. Um, But I I think Kyle Burroughs has been good enough to stay on the roster um, because yeah, I do think he would be more likely to get claimed and probably Mm. seen he's more valuable to the Canucks right now than a hunt or a Shen is because he's playing games and he's actually been good. He's shown some chemistry with Rathbone Um, and it's kind of a, a sticky situation here. Actually, that's a good point. I think this if this was later in the season, then maybe, you, for whatever reason, if this was later in the season and you try and wave Hunter Shen, maybe someone picks him up for playoff insurance or whatever. That Actually, but you're right. The and fact that they haven't even... Yeah, the fact they haven't really cracked the Canucks lineup in the first six games, you're, that's not really signaling these guys are very valuable. So... And it's you not like this is a great now. defense to, or <laughs> like a, it's not like it's like, Oh, the defense is too good that Brad hunt couldn't make the lineup. Right. Yeah. That hasn't, yeah, that's been a good point. Um, so you, lots of people in the chat are saying, uh, hunt, hunt, mm-hmm. hunt, Brad hunt, mm-hmm. man saying doubt any teams are claiming Hunter Shen. And that is sort of where I'm falling. Um, but yeah, I think hunt might be your guy. Yeah. Okay. So let's say Hamnick does come back. How would you line up the 60 men then? Well, I don't know. Uh, it gets tricky, right? Because you have to do some juggling. So if we're saying Burroughs comes out of the lineup, uh, that leaves Rathbone's spot open. However, we've seen Hamannick and Hughes in the past. Um, I don't know. It's it's a real tricky one. So how do they practice today? I just want to pull this up. So it was OEL Myers, same. Yep. Hughes, Poolman, and Rathbone Burroughs. So you could then... If you, Burroughs comes out, you put Hamannick in, you could move Pullman down with Rathbone. I think they're yeah. going to keep OEL and Myers together. Yeah. Would be my instinct. Um, so you could go Hughes, Hamannick, Rathbone, Pullman, maybe as an option. Yeah, I would do that. I, I would do yeah. that unless, unless somehow Hamannick needs to be brought up to speed, but that's what the whole conditioning stint is for. If he's ready to go, I, I think you try him with Hughes. And I think you move Pullman down to, and I'm not just saying because the, the salaries are pretty similar, right? Pullman makes yeah. 2.5. So, and we don't value guys just based on salary because technically you could argue that Tyler Myers is the highest paid third pairing D men around, but he's, he's playing well. And that's why he's playing with OEL in the top pairing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think, uh, I think, yeah, Myers and OEL are going to stay. Um, yeah. And it really comes down to, uh, is Travis Green more worried about keeping guys together to build chemistry, in which case it would just be a one-for-one swap? Uh, yeah. Or is he thinking, you know, let's let's try to build some fresh chemistry, put our best group together that we can? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's something we'll have to see. And I, I would assume, yeah, he's not going to play tomorrow. I would highly doubt. I, I think he'd <laughs> probably get a couple of AHL games in and a couple of practices in because he didn't get a training camp, right? Yeah. Uh, he didn't get a preseason. He's missed the first six games of the season. Uh, you'd think, yeah, go to Abbotsford, play. I think they play twice this weekend. I think they play Friday, Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Get in both of those games, play 20 minutes in each of those games, and then, excuse me, come in for like Tuesday yeah. against the Rangers, Friday against the Predators, something like that. Get a few practices under the belt as well. Here's one more reason why I think you do put Hamnick with Hughes. We've already talked about their their familiarity. But if that doesn't work, then you can go back to Hughes Pullman, which we've seen work for five of these six games, right? Because Hughes missed one of them. And that's okay. That's okay. At least you can go back. Now you've tried it. You know that's an option. But I think the familiarity, to me, that's the biggest reason why you put Hamnick with Hughes, I think. 
I think that is fair. And I think lots yeah. of people sort of agree um, in the chat here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I definitely, I like that. So, so this is, so if we are the coaches, our decision is yes. we are putting uh, Travis Hamannick in the lineup for Kyle Burrows. We're moving Pullman down with Rathbone. We're moving Hamannick up with Hughes to sort of rekindle what happened last year. And then we are waving either Brad Hunter, Luke Shen, whichever is more likely to get through uh, at that point. Yeah, perhaps uh, time. For, time uh, so blue moon's not a fan. He says clay clearly doesn't know as much as Parker, Well, that's fine. I'll take that. <laughs> that's just, that's just wrong though, <laughs> but okay. Fine. Blue moon doesn't also like my laugh, but that's okay. I'm just a happy guy. Um, Francisco then says trade Hamannick. Oh, I don't think I don't think you're getting anything for him. I think he's a lot more valuable in the Canucks lineup than he is uh, getting a sixth round pick or whatever you'd get for him. If you'd even get that because of his, uh, his salary requirements at this point. Yeah. And the fact that um, no one picked him up on waivers in the first place. Yeah. Why would a team give up assets to get him now when they could have had him in essence for free for, for the cost of his salary? Right. Absolutely. Um, all right. One thing I wanted to start doing because we get this, uh, we get this pushed quite a bit. Uh, the Abbey update, mm. uh, the Abbotsford Canucks, uh, have been playing hockey games and we would like to just touch on, give you a quick recap of what they have done over the past week. And their website is not great. So it is kind of tough to do that. Um, but let's see over the last week they played, Wait, it doesn't even show the scores on here. It's just a schedule. <laughs> what? This, web, this website's atrocious. Sorry, I can't you, even tell you what's happened. Are you sure you're on the real website? I am. I'm on abbotsford.canucks.com. Um, wow. You can't even see like their games that they've played. You can only see the last one. Wow. All right. Well, they won yesterday. Seelov's <laughs> got a shutout. They won 3-0. Yes. Uh, we've had a couple Klimovich goals. Uh, we've had... Uh, a bunch of good stuff. Abbotsford's doing good. I think they are, uh, I don't know, like three, one and one or something like that. Yeah. In their, in their home opener, they won in overtime as Madison Bowie goal. So that was yep. nice. And then, yeah, they followed that up with the Seelov shutout. So that's, that's a pretty good start. Have they, how many games have they played? I think they played five. Okay. I think they're three, one and one, if I'm not mistaken. So they're yeah. off to a great start. Hmm. Okay. That's good. I, uh, I want to get out there. I haven't done it yet, obviously, but yeah, they're not, yeah. So they are uh, they are three one and one. I was right. Yeah. So they uh, over the last week, I've got it now. They've played three games. They played on Tuesday uh, in Ontario, California. Uh, lost four three in overtime. Then they won three two on Friday and three nothing last night. The Seelovs shut out and uh, goalie controversy. Maybe in Abbotsford, Deep Pietro <laughs> Seelovs uh, might be uh, might be something to monitor there. So they have five out of six points already. Um, they yeah, have two wins in a thing. six out of ten. Oh, seven. Sorry. They have seven. They points. played five. They played five times already. They're three one on one. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening for that part. Sorry. That's all good. <laughs> um, all right. Do we want to go to the people? Sure. Let's go to the people. All right. We only have a couple minutes, so fire in some questions. We can go a couple minutes over if need be. We usually do. Uh, so give in. Uh, give us your questions. Um, I don't know. We're it's it's late. <laughs> we'll we'll be ready for them. We'll we'll just as soon as they come up, as long as they're appropriate, we will answer it and we will. We we are ready. We'll, Coach Rob okay. said maybe the HL site has the scores. That is okay. where I found them. Yes, because <laughs> the Abbotsford Canucks site does not. And we'll go fast. We will. Parker and I will commit to quick predictions for tomorrow's game. Answers. Predictions. Predictions. Tomorrow's game. Four two. You're gonna Vancouver, say four two. My, yep. I yeah, knew my... it. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say three two because it's a more common score. Uh, okay. Um, Edmund, Edmund, uh, are you shocked how Corey Schneider's career has turned out once he left Vancouver? I would say so. Yeah. He fell yeah. off. Yeah. Canucks won the trade 2013. Yes. Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat. Yes. <laughs> um, we already kind of talked about Burroughs. Um, Clay, what's your schedule this week? Oh, because uh, coach Rob is looking forward to my post game shows. I guess Clay yours will be at 11 question mark. Uh, Tuesday night, I can't because, uh, bowling and my church hour and Thursday and Saturday, I'm at the game. So maybe not uh, just my regular Wednesday stream. I think, I don't think I'll be doing any post game, uh, streams, just wrap ups, recaps, whatever Got it. it is. 
Yeah. Um, time for Rocky saying, should I buy an Abby Canucks Klimovich jersey? That would be pretty sweet. Um, if so, home or away, you got to get the green one, right? Yes. Got to go home. Always home. Uh, always sorry, home. not always home, but to start off home. Yeah. You got to at least have a green one in your arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, was the road trip successful? Asked Fangirl. For me, yes. You come back over 500. 583, it 712 was, points. It was bare minimum successful for me, bare, but it's a, it was a, it was a C uh, yep. and that works. Uh, who gets more points? Elias Pettersson or Connor Garland? Connor Garland has a five point advantage already. Oh man. According to our predictions, we both had PD at around the 80 mark and Garland around the, around the 60 mark. Yep. Oh, and I, I still stick with Garland around 60. Uh, Pettersson's just, making me nervous. I'm gonna say I think it'll be tight. I can say PD by hair. I am too. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Actually, can you put up Shannon's? That's a good question. I can answer it real quick. Shannon, your active roster is 23 players, uh, two goalies, and some combination of 13 forwards, 8D, or 14 forwards, 7D. Anything more than 23, they cannot be on your active roster. You got to get them down to the farm. And if they played a certain number of games or certain number of years, you have to waive them, give other people a chance to get them. If they're rookies or in their first three years, you don't have to waive them. You can bring them up and down as much as you can. But 23 is the healthy body maximum. Perfect. Thank you. Um, This has been a bit of discourse going around online right now. Uh, Lots of people already taking victory laps on the Garland OEL (laughs) trade six games in and being like, oh, wow. Yeah. Garland. And we got rid of, we got Garland and OEL and we gave up three bad contracts. It's like, okay, you're just going to ignore the first overall or the first round pick, the second round pick, the seventh round pick, uh, the, like all these other things. Um, uh, so do you think they won the trade at this point? I do think, I think this is where you're going with it, Parker. It's a little early to say for sure, but you got to like the, at least the immediate results. We don't know what Dylan Gunther is going to turn out to be. Right. But but when you look at the money, it's basically eight of Ekman Larson and five of Garland for the 12 we shipped out, 13 versus 12. And our two players are a lot better than the three that went out. Uh, you got to be happy with the early returns. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, the Canucks, it's always been a short-term trade, right? So it better be good right now uh, because the the risk of the contract or the risk the risk of the trade was Oliver Larson's contract right uh, if that ages poorly then the Canuck, then the trade is tough for the Canucks especially if they're not competitive over the next couple of years but that's sort of our summary there I think mm-hmm. love it um, I saw Melissa's I'm just giggling <laughs> was it saying Clay clearly knows more than Parker I love it that's not true either we're equal. Um, uh, sh- uh, this one's just for you all you can eat sushi or you can eat dim sum. I say you dim some, you lose some. You got to go with all you can eat sushi for sure. That Every is, single day of the week. That's a great quote. Thank you. Um, if you had to buy a jersey excluding the core four, uh, who would you pick? You first. Um, ooh, Hoaglander, obviously. Okay. I'm going Garland or Demko. Oh, I, I forgot about Garland. <laughs> Demko <laughs> was my first thought, and then I went to Hoaglander. Uh, but yeah, that's Garland good. will be a great one. I might have to do that. I almost bought Nate Schmidt last year. Thank goodness I didn't. Wow. Wow. That would be rough. He's got five points already. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, I think we're good. Okay. Are we good? Do we have, uh, I like this last one from C edits, which Canuck has the best chance of winning an NHL award. Let's say for this season, um, who's got the best odds at any award. I'll start. Maybe we have the same Demka Vesna. Yeah, uh, Demko, not Demka, Vesno. Yeah, Demko, Demka is going to win the Vesno. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the only one that's reasonable, right? They're not going to win the Art Ross, the Ted Lindsay, yeah. the Richard, the Selkie. Like, those ones are kind of locked up already. Not even right? the Norris, yeah, yeah. The Norris, they're not going to win the Norris unless Quinn Hughes goes insane like, and puts up like 80 points, but I doubt it. Um, and then what, what do you have left? It's just like the Vesna, right? <laughs> Co- Coach of the year. Coach of the year. Yeah. I'm sure, uh, Canucks Twitter is going to love that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, um, I think Demko for the business probably our best, best Paul goals and Calder Klimovich Calder last <laughs> moment. Oh, that's, that's a hot take for sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Oh, Jim Benning for GM of the year. What if, what if the Canucks make, let's say the Canucks get second in the division. Garland yep. has 75 points and OEL has 45. That could happen. I yeah, I think that's great. I'm not sure that's going to win him GM of the year, though. It might. They're, GM of the year is a weird trophy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, we'll wrap it up there. We're going to root for that, though. Jim Benning, GM yes. of the year. Uh, thank you guys very much for hanging out with us. If you want more from us, I do a post-game show after every Canucks game. Um, maybe not tomorrow. We'll see, but I'll try. Um, and Clay does live streams twice a week, videos every day. Uh, you can find me at Parker's Pucks, him at Canuck Clay, YouTube, Twitter, all that you guys know how to find us at this point. It's all linked in the description. Uh, check out Manscaped for sponsoring us. Thank you guys very much. Uh, and Clay, any parting words for the night? Well, if you get to the game, enjoy. It'd be kind of cool if you went on Tuesday and then I'll go Thursday, Saturday. So we Canucks After Dark will have the three first games covered. Pretty cool. So Someone in attendance at all times. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Media. Yeah, well, it's too late now. You got to do 48 hours to apply, but okay, we'll try. We'll try later. Uh, anyways, that's it for us. Thank you guys very much for watching. Hit the like button, hit subscribe. If you missed any part of the show, you can rewind here on YouTube. You can find it on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, go give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because it helps us up, uh, helps us out, and uh, and lets more people find the show, uh, which is great. Thank you guys very much, and we will see you uh, later on the week.